Welcome to the Habits of Leadership podcast, brought to you by Cut Through Coaching, helping leaders and their teams to thrive, professionally and personally. Hello and welcome to episode 40 of the Habits of Leadership podcast. My name is Dan Hasler from Cut Through Coaching and joining me today for a chat about change is my colleague, Mr. Tim Perkins. Good morning, Daniel. How are you? Not too bad, mate. Yourself? Very, very well. Excellent. So, um, yeah, why are we going to chat about change? What have, what have we been seeing as we've been out and about there? Yeah, it's very interesting, isn't it? Because, you know, here we are and this corona business continues to trouble us all and... A lot of people have had to change. You know, we've heard that word, that pivot. Everyone has to mm. pivot and change and do things differently. And I suppose a lot of people have put changes into place very immediately. Mm. And I suppose one of the questions that we've got that's really motivated the decision for this conversation is how do we make change stick? Mm. And are we are there certain things that we can put in place in mm. order to make change more likely to stick? Um, and to work in a way that's really worthwhile for the organisation who's making the change. Yeah, and, you know, we're not on our own here. You know, there's loads of um, people in this space thinking about this. They've got, you know, there would be hundreds, if not thousands, of frameworks and processes, Mm -hmm. um, you know, available to um, address change that you're you're going about on an organisational level. Um, But what we wanted to do in, in this chat here is just talk about, um, the five pillars that we've found to be really useful um, when kind of exploring um, a, a team or, or a group or a business school uh, as they try and um, embark on a new initiative. And the the origins of this framework, are the all these pillars are a little bit sketchy, if I'm being honest. You know, like it's, it's something that I um, came across several years ago now. And the only reference I can find to it is um, in the show notes. Um, but uh, work by um, three people, Mosta, Villa and Thousand. And as I say, there's a, a link to what you can find on the net um, in, in the show notes there. But rather than um, sort of, I guess, you know, um, seeing that as the definitive last word on it, we've been using it more as the start point uh, mm-hmm. or as a, a lens to try and... Um, facilitate conversations with leaders or with groups of people as to well why why might previous attempts at change might why might they not have worked so much and how can we make sure that we don't keep making those same mistakes as we try and embark on another change because a lot of people you know particularly I think this I, look I, I don't know if it's more common in schools than it is in other organizations but all we can say is it's incredibly common in schools um, this sense of change fatigue where it seems like you know even without a global pandemic um, there were loads of changes that keep coming and just as they get ahead around one or just as they've chosen to keep their head down about one you know another one um, comes over the top so I guess today, yeah, we just thought we'll, we'll sort of use this framework, these five pillars, as, as as I say, a way of a conversation starter for people to consider what kind of changes they might be um, thinking yeah. about. Because of all the, the time, energy, resource, people hours that go into making a change, it seems absurd to not give it significant consideration beforehand and during the process in order to really make those changes stick right because that's 
what seems to really frustrate a lot of people, and as you alluded to there a minute ago, you know, people get change fatigue. People see so much change in their organisation and perhaps are no longer giving it their best or not always giving it their best. Now, let's be clear. A lot of people, <laughs> a lot of people just keep their head down. It's yeah. like, oh, just, you know, here they go again. Yeah. It'll be gone in a few months, a year at most. Keep your head down. Keep doing what we're doing. Don't buy into Don't it. Don't buy in. Why, yeah. why, why waste it, you know? Yeah. Um, I think that's a very common mindset yeah. and, and, and one that, quite frankly i can understand because yeah. change typically isn't done particularly well that's why there's mm. literally thousands of books yeah. and and hundreds of thousands of blog posts on the topic and so i suppose the advantage and what we're going to explore here dan over the next little while is this idea okay we, there is a framework it is a very effective framework mm. um let's give it a go let's find out a bit more about it and see if people would like to use that themselves yeah sure so i think w one of the ways we and, and basically what i thought we'd do is just sort of take people through the way we might workshop this with a group of people so a lot of the times we'll kick off something along this to say okay well if you were to give you 60 seconds to jot down an organizational change or an attempt at organizational change which didn't stick it, it, it failed for want of a better word you were to write that down and then you were to jot down all the reasons for that. You know, there, the, we've never met anybody who has no frame of reference. Mm. We've never met anybody who goes, actually, I can't answer that question because everything my company, everything my school, everything my team has ever tried, we've just, you know, smashed it out of the park. Mm. There's all, at someone of, you've always got something there to talk about. And so, we get then people, you know, the, the kind of things that come out is go, oh, well, you know, um, nobody really understood why. Or we got people saying um, the person who started the change initiative, well, they left. Left the organisation. You know, they yeah. left. They were really enthusiastic about it, but they left. Or it was... Um, we didn't quite have the resources that yeah. we required no, we to didn't make the, it stay. Yeah, we didn't have the time. People yeah. didn't put money into it, whatever it was, right? Mm. And so no matter how many people you have in the room and no matter how many things that they come up with, broadly speaking, we can allocate all the reasons that people come up with to five, like I said, these five broad pillars um, that, we, um, that we use to, to, to generate these conversations. And the other thing it does is also sort of talks about, well, what happens when one of those pillars are missing? So mm. I guess one of the, well, the first pillar, and... and I, I'm going to suggest, you know, for the sake of this conversation, there's not necessarily one that's more important than the other. It's not like, well, if you've got that one, you can kind of get away with not having another. I'm going to suggest that they're all equally important. And the pillars, if you imagine, they're holding up the initiative. And if one was missing, it's pretty rocky and could, could conceivably collapse. Mm. So the first pillar to talk about is vision. You know, what's the vision? What's the... What's the um, reason for doing what we're doing here? And vision is one of those words which has been used so much that it's almost become meaningless. You know, it's what's your vision? And it's like, well, what we're really saying is this. What are we doing? Why are we doing it? And why are we doing it now? And it's that last piece of the puzzle, why are we doing it now? that's often missing. It's not articulated well enough. It's not communicated well enough. So a lot of people can tell you about climate change and they can tell you why it's important. But when you ask them, what are you doing now about it? Well, people have got all manner of reasons as to why I don't, I don't need to do anything now. I don't need to worry about being more energy efficient now. I don't need to worry about, you know, because they can somehow 
get rid of it and put it into it's not my problem mate and so what the critical in fact there's a guy called john cotter who's written a very um prominent uh book in the um space of change who talks about i know i mentioned that there's not not more one more important than the other but he actually believes this is the most important bit it's saying if you don't communicate that the sense of urgency why it's important now then you really are putting yourself on the back foot and what I dig into a bit more and what we, you know, we dig into in the workshops is there's a big difference between telling people what the vision is and genuinely communicating what the vision is. Because let's say that, um, you know, I, as the leader, have got a vision. I, I, I know what we should be doing. I know why we should be doing it. And I know why we should be doing it now because I'm the boss and I've had either directives from my boss or I've seen and the books. And you've given it a whole lot more thought than the other people who are It's been all consuming me yeah. for months, you know, because I've seen what's on the horizon and I've, been th I've had sleepless nights about it. I mm. know all this. And I think that if I spend an hour with a flashy PowerPoint presentation and tell other people the vision, a lot of leaders mistake articulating the vision with communicating the vision. And what they miss there is the opportunity for people to really push back and question and you know, get it in their own language and clarify and, and whatever it is. And typically we, you know, we expect to be able to communicate to somebody else why this is important in a fraction of the time that it's taken us to realize it's important. It's taken us our whole professional career to get to this point and we're then expecting us to be able to, you know, Pithily explain mm. to somebody else, oh no, this is the new thing, you need to get on board. Mm. So, for people, they've gone to, if we use another model, they've gone from a complete pre contemplation stage mm. to an expectation of action. Yeah. yeah. So, they've gone from being blissfully unaware of this new yeah. thing, whatever yeah. it is. In schools, it could be a new way of teaching, you know, it could be that, it, or it could be a new way of just. Uh, registering attendance at school in a business it could be a new software program in a team it could be a new positional check it could be anything you know um, and it's taken me my whole all of my experience to get to this point oh yeah something needs to be tweaked here this is what well, this is the change we're going to make and we assume that others are seeing what we're seeing and they'll recognize it as soon as we communicate it to them they don't and what happens is when they don't understand the vision is they get confused they don't know the answers to why we're doing things. And humans typically aren't that keen on being confused. They would rather fill that vacuum of not knowing with their own story, mm. their own reasons for why it's happening. You know, why are we doing this? Oh, I don't know. You know, he's been to a conference or something. You know, it's the new thing. You know, or why are we doing this? I don't know. She's building a CV. You know, this is going to be the thing which gets her the next job. And that element of confusion, or even worse, the wrong stuff, you know, the, the, the negative stuff is, you know, critically, it, it can be critical, you know, it can be really damaging and it can kill a change initiative even before it's begun if people don't understand the what, the why and the why now. Mm. So that confusion is really interesting for me. So do you think that someone, let's say it's you that's the leader in the organisation, as you said, you've had the sleepless nights, you've done all the reading, you've done all the preparation, you absolutely feel a sense of urgency to do this thing now. When you try to articulate it to your people, when you try to communicate that vision to the people, I, I'm, I'm picturing that it's like somebody who's so excited about something that the way it spills out makes perfect sense to them but none to mm. the people they're speaking to. Mm. 
So that confusion can exist for a variety of reasons. One, because people have given up buying in on things and so they haven't really paid attention, so they're confused. Or because your, your finishing sentences that are going perfectly well in your head as you're trying to translate the vision, mm. but people just aren't getting it. Yep. And I would imagine that confusion then, this is the time where some white anting could come in from people. Yep. Is that fair to say? Definitely, because it's also compounded by the fact that very few people like to admit they don't understand yeah. what it is. that They will fill the blanks with white anting behaviour. They'll fill the blanks with another narrative that suits their purposes, not the purpose of... Um, you know the person who who's perhaps initiating the change and you, you know that's a really critical point about talking about you know so we we're going to communicate this we're going to talk about this but crucially we also have to give people the time to think about this mm. so presenting something and saying right are we all on board has anyone got any questions we begin tomorrow yeah all good sweet okay we're, we're going to start tomorrow or, or we're going to start next week or we're going to even we're going to start in a month no no mm. whoa 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 stop mm. because up until this moment i'd never thought about it mate Give me some time to process what this means. Come and sit with me. Come and show me. Come and come and experience what I'm experiencing and then articulate to me how this change is going to impact mm. what we're doing. Because one of the things that we've often mentioned on, on the podcast is that a lot of the time leaders have lost touch with what's going on further down. Yeah. And I'm using that very, you know, yeah, you know, on first, the factory floor, yeah, factory floor, or in yeah. the classrooms, or in, on the sales calls, or on, on, even on the you know, in any the higher you go up in an organization, it's just a fact. And people will say, "Oh no, I'm still in touch." No, you're not. It's mm. a fact that you're losing touch with what's actually happening. You know, the people who you're trying to um, encourage to take on this change, you've lost touch with what they're actually doing, mm. how they're actually feeling, even though you were in their shoes 10, 15, 20 years ago. It's a really important thing, you know, this idea of building empathy and understanding. And that, if done well, all comes through this vision part, the communicating of it. Not just telling people the vision, but genuinely and authentically engaging in communication, dialogue, feedback, you name it. Yeah, and providing opportunities for them to seek clarification. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, and to feel that they can give feedback. Yeah. Okay, so that's the first pillar, the vision. Yep. And without that pillar, we get confusion. Yeah. Tell us about the second pillar. So let's assume that you're a leader who has done a tremendous job. You've given lots of time over to um, communicating the vision. And everybody actually on the team, in the organisation, everyone who needs to be bought in understands the what, the why, and the why now. They, they get it. No problem. What they might struggle with is the second pillar of the skills to execute on the vision. So, you know, the, if, if you're asking me, yeah, I get, I, get, I get what it is you're asking me to do. I know why we're doing it and I know why now, but I just don't know if I can. Then that can really manifest. If that's missing, if the skills to execute is missing, or if the understanding that, well, I don't have the skills now, but I know that I'm going to be supported to get the skills, mm. which sometimes is missing. If those two things or one of those things are missing, then it's not uncommon for people to start feeling quite anxious about their role, you know, and, and often you'll hear it again, again, the way we've spoken about change is somewhat, um, somewhat problematic because we often talk about, you know, the early adopters mm. being so wonderful and then the Luddites who are just dragging their heel, you know, and there's quite pejorative terms used about people who resist change. But 
and, and that adds into this thing. So, okay, so now you're telling me I'm not, what we're essentially saying is now you're telling me I'm not good enough. Mm. You know, what we were doing before is not good enough. I don't think I've got the skills to do what it is you're asking me to do. I don't see any roadmap for me to enhance the skills. So we get anxious. And when we get anxious, perfectly normal human reaction, we go into fight or flight or freeze mode. We either arc up against the, you know, the the, the boss or the, the the company. You know, this is nonsense. This is a union issue. This is whatever. Um, we might freeze and basically, you know, kind of keep your head down and and hope that nobody spots you doing, you know, whatever it is nothing, nothing. Yeah, or or you or you just cognitively or or literally kind of remove yourself from the situation. And th- those last, well, in fact, in all three of those, that the overriding kind of thought process is, you know what? I'd rather be good at the old thing than be not good at the new thing. And I don't want to expose myself. So I'm going to, I'm rather going to argue with you that the new thing's the wrong. That's the issue here. And so you, you, we have this challenge. And this, as I say, this can actually happen with people who really do understand the what and the why and the why now. And in some cases that even ups the stakes because I know why this is important. I know why we should be doing it now, but I feel I can't. So that actually makes us get even more, more anxious, anxious yeah. and, and it compounds, you know. So it's And a, so the classic example of this, Dan, I mean, it's mm. almost like the script has been written mm. for what do school teachers do? Teachers who are very good at what they do and they've been doing it for varying degrees of amount of time. Mm. And now there's global pandemic, the kids aren't allowed into the classrooms and now they have to be tech savvy mm. and use Zoom or whatever to teach their kids. All of those things that you've just described must have sent the anxiety of teachers through mm. the roof. For sure, yeah. And, and I mean, on a slightly different topic, what that's allowed other things to happen is that it ch- changed. So in, without a global pandemic, there was no need. Yes, I could go to a, a fancy conference and they could tell me the benefits of teaching asynchronously or using technology or connecting with people on the other side of the world or whatever, right? And I could sit at that conference and go, yeah, that's that's awesome. That's really, really fantastic. But as soon as I went back to school and I didn't need to do that because things were going along relatively okay, or if I go to a sales conference and I see this new software, and I go, that's amazing. If we could do that, that's fantastic. But then I go back to my company and you know what? What we've got is, it's doing the job, you know? And that's quite expensive. And yeah, we'll just give it another year. It's easy to fall back, right? But a global mm-hmm. pandemic kind of throws everything up in the air and you suddenly go, oh, you know, shit, we do need to falling actually- Falling back's not an option. Falling back's not an option, yeah. yeah? yeah. You, you, you literally can't fall back. And so- um, what it's an interesting sort of parallel to run alongside here saying, okay, well, you know, what I'd be urging people to listen, who's, who are listening is saying, well, if we have seen some change and it's positive, how are you going to make sure that you keep that when actually it does become possible to start falling mm. back when mm. perhaps there's a vaccine, when perhaps restrictions are eased, when perhaps, you know, things get back to whatever normal is going to look like. How do you stop falling back to things which actually weren't as good? Yeah, they passed their use by date, yeah. perhaps. Yeah, and and this these these um, pillars give you an opportunity to ensure that you don't fall back by saying, okay, well we've got vision, um, you know, we've got the vision, we know why we don't want to fall back, you know, and we've got the skills to make sure that that's the case, you know, or or we've got the roadmap to ensure that people can develop the skills in a safe, nurturing way. Yeah, okay. Well, this is starting to get really interesting now. So we we lack the vision, we get confusion. We lack the skills, 
we get anxiety. Yeah. Neither confusion nor anxiety are good in any organisation. No. Uh, it certainly doesn't seem to be the right conditions to bring out the best of anybody. Mm. What's the third pillar, Dan? Yeah. So imagine for a second that as um, a leader, you've done a remarkable job of taking the time to communicate the vision. And you have taken the time to ensure that um, people have the skills to execute on the vision. And if they haven't, there's a really clearly mapped out way for, ki- uh, for people to increase their skills, right? That's all there. And so confusion and anxiety, they don't feature. But sometimes we actually miss the third pillar, which is, well, what if I just don't want to do it, mate? Like, I know I should. And I know that I, I know that I can, <laughs> just don't want to, you know. And so this is where we really talk about incentive. And previously on the podcast, you know, we've had people like Richard Ryan on talking about self-determination theory. We've had Carol Dweck on about mindset. We've had Alfie Cohen on talking about it, what that means in a, in a school setting. And, you know, a lot of the time, this whole um, incentive, motivation, engagement piece it's somewhat misunderstood and and you know depending on where you find yourself working and the teams you find yourself leading in a corporate world in a school setting whatever we tend to still rely a little bit on old fashioned approaches to saying well just do your job mate you know you're being paid to do a job you're a professional you know that should be the incentive or in a corporate world we'll pay you a bit more you know we'll give you a bonus um, in schools, we don't have so many bonuses. The most we can usually offer is kind of like, you know, a, you can change your email signature, you know, <laughs> teacher in charge of new things or whatever it might be, right? But, and, and actually, I would argue that not having extrinsic motivation leaders, levers, sorry, to pull in a, in a setting is actually, it's a benefit. Mm. Because what it actually says is this, look, I need to know what makes you tick. So I can now work out what's in it for you in order to work this way because a lot of the time the change is more about what's in it for others what's in it for the organization you know what's in it for the our customers or what's in it for our students or what's in it for you know our end users whatever Mm. it might be but what's in it for me as the person how's this playing in to my core values as a as a human how's this playing into um you know those fundamental pillars of um um, self-determination theory you know how, how is this going to give me more volition in my work how is this going to give me a sense of mastery or purpose in my work because if we don't tap into those things appropriately then you simply get resistance mm-hmm. you know you just get people going yeah mm-hmm. as i said before you know I, I know i can and i know and i know i should but you know what i'm not seeing it mate it just seems like more work to me you know and 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 without ticking those boxes of saying okay and and the beauty of this when it's done well you actually can sort of really address a lot of the incentive piece in fact you can address a lot of the skills piece actually by communicating the vision really well because you're opening up the spaces to really connect with people and see where where are some of the gaps here between whether it's a skill gap or whether it's a values and purpose gap so what i'm hearing here is really understanding the people that you're working with through really communicating with them um, and then seeing, really uh, looking at the importance of doing it with them mm. rather than doing it to them. Yeah. So, you know, as you've said there now, resistance 
is the opposite of this great pillar of incentive. Mm. What's my motivation for doing this? If I'm not seeing it clearly, if it's not aligned with who I am and what I want to do to achieve my job, then I'm going to resist. Mm. I can't imagine there's too much uh, worse situation in a, in a work environment than someone who's digging their heels in and resisting the change. That's going to require a whole lot of energy which people really don't want to expend and, to yeah, turn that around. Absolutely, yeah. and, it's, and it's not uncommon. Like we've seen this in sports teams, we've seen this in um, schools, we've seen it in corporate worlds, where often it's a high performer. Mm. It's actually, or, or, or it's someone who could be a high performer, because by definition they're probably not performing well if they're resisting in this fashion. But the people have just gone, no, <laughs> for whatever mm. reason. And, um, you know, they don't understand the selection policy. They don't understand why this new technology is coming. They don't understand this new approach, whatever it might be. Or maybe they do, but because it's just not been – what they don't understand is how it relates to them mm. because they've just been told as opposed to communicated with. Yeah. And and that's can be re- – that, that often gives leaders even more frustration when they see this. You know, and people often say, well, we don't have time to keep talking about these things. And what we often say is, well, you can either make time for that now or you can make time for all the difficult, in inverting covers, conversations that you're going to have to have down the track. Anything that's going to derail the whole process. Yeah, you're going to have to make time for all those sleepless nights. You're going to have to make time for all those frustrating arguments, you know. Um, Just have a conversation now. And the loss of staff as, as well, you know, yeah. people just go, I'm so sick of this, we can't do any yep. this anymore. Yep. Okay, so those three first pillars, vision, skills, incentive, super important. As you say, not necessarily in any particular order, but all super important. One of the things, and I've seen this, uh, particularly in environments such as schools that might be financially under-resourced. Mm. So resources as the yep. next pillar. Yep. How do we get resources right? How do we get it wrong? Yeah. So resourcing, we talk about it in terms of um, money, time and space. So um, let's just, let's just t- take stock for a moment and let's assume that you're the leader, you're the leader who or you're working in an organization perhaps where the vision is clear. I know what we're doing, why we're doing it, and I know why we're doing it now. I also know I can do it. So I've got the skills. Mm. And furthermore, mate, I'm on board. I want to do it. The problem is I don't have the time, the money, or the space to do it. If I don't have those things, then that leads to frustration. And that's when people like me leave. Mm. I go looking for other places which have already mapped out and they have the time, the money, and the space for people to do the kind of work that they want to do. And so when you're talking about you know time, money, and space, there's, there's, there's a very finite way of thinking about those things, i.e. can't create more time. A lot of the time we can't generate more money unless you're in a sales-oriented thing. And we, a lot of the time it's hard to create more space. So there's one way of looking at it going, well, it is what it is. The other way of looking at it is a more infinite way of saying, well, how are we using this time? How are we using this money? And how are we creating the space? Not just a physical space, but I think more importantly, mm. a psychological space for change and for to, to allow people to try new things. So, you know, without um, going too you know, down each one of those rabbit holes. But if you think about, you know, how do you use time? Let's be clear, there's so much time wasted in any organization. Mm. They're usually called meetings, you know. <laughs> there are these, uh, you know, these artifacts, there are these relics that just because, um, I don't know, just because perhaps the first 
um, calendar software only allowed you to make meetings of an hour. It's just by, you know, by mm. default that we have to have a meeting for an hour. When in actual fact, there was no need for a meeting at all. But because it's on the calendar, and we always have to do it. And, you know, there's an element of us knowing that people are looking at us, judging how what we're doing, and we've got to look busy, mm. we've got to look effective. Uh, our electronic calendars have to be very colourful and full, right? Yeah, right. And, it's, and, and what happens, of course, there is that if you allocate a, an hour for a meeting, you'll take an hour. And you know what? You probably won't get through what it is you need to do in that meeting. But if you say, um, okay, you know what? We're going to have, you know how we normally have an hour for a meeting? We're going to give it 25 minutes. I guarantee you, you'll get through more stuff in that 25 minutes mm. than if you do in the hour because you'll be focused and you'll be, okay, we've got to get this done. And if you do it standing up, mm. you'll get through it even quicker. And, you know, there's a whole there's a whole body of literature out there around meetings and, you know, flow charts of do you really need a meeting? Who needs to be at the meeting? I often have this um, throwaway line that if you walk out of a meeting with nothing new to think about or do, then you didn't need to be at the meeting. And if you think about how many meetings you've gone to where you've walked out and you've gone, I've got no idea why I was there. Like, what was that all about? Then that, that is a canary in the coal mine that you are, your organization is not just wasting your time, but it's wasting money, right? Because mm. you're being paid to be there. So time is how, how easy. And, and people will get very, very defensive about this because it's my meeting. I run good meetings or, you know, like they're building their own little fiefdoms around you know the stuff that they do and we just need to get smarter about it mm. because we're wasting so much time on that you're wasting so much time reading emails mm. let's be honest um there's so much there's better ways of using our time the money thing same principle applies how do we use the money you know um funky furniture funky furniture which is nice don't get me wrong it's nice but in terms of priorities, in terms of, you know, and, and, and I guess this really comes down to the idea of resourcing, and this is a well-used line, but if you're going to say something, to, if you're going to say yes to something new, well, what are you saying no to that you're already doing? You know, what are you going to stop doing in order to do this new thing? Because I don't know about anyone, you know, everyone I'm meeting at the moment, how are you, mate? Oh, busy as, mate. Busy as. It's almost like a badge of honour, isn't it? It's a badge of honour, but it's also true. They're yeah. being pulled from pillar to post in yeah. every business, in every, um, you know, e even in times where we're told business is, you know, really struggling, but they're str people are struggling and working harder to try and, you know, make ends meet. But even in, you know, as I say, whatever normal gets it, busy as. It's a badge of honour, but it's also true. We are being, our time is wasted. So, you know, hopefully you're not feeling this podcast is a waste of your time, but pe people's time is wasted. Hopefully you're doing the washing up or something productive. Double, Perhaps. Double timing. Double timing. So the idea of, you know, how do we use that time? And then the one that I really think is really important is space. Not necessarily the physical space, but of course that is useful if you have mm. a... If you're trying to do something innovative, if you're trying to use technology, if you, it, it's helpful to have physical spaces which support that. But psychological space is critical. I actually can remember working um, at a business once and they were talking about, you know, they wanted mindset as part of their approach, growth mindset. And I remember sitting with someone, I can't remember exactly their position, but it was relatively high up. And um, it, it, we're in this meeting and he said, you know what, I actually really do value innovation. I really value, you know, but it's got to be right. We can't, you know, we can't mis make mistakes on this. Yeah. 
do you know, we've got to get it right first time because time is money. And he did, those weren't his exact words, but that, that was, was the, the gist. Concept, yeah. He wants to be innovative. They want to go out there and push boundaries, but geez, we've got to get it right first time. And the problem with that is, of course, if you're trying something new, if you're in that stretch zone, if you're trying to be innovative, you're not going to get it right first time. And so what happens is it that sets that resourcing, that sets the... Um, the, the, it calibrates the place to go, well, actually, let's just keep doing what we're already doing because mm. we know that works. Mm. Even though, even though I know why we should be doing better, I know I can, know I can and I want to, actually, the space mm. isn't going to reward me for mm. doing that. I know they say they will. I know we've got this innovation unit or whatever it might be, mm. but it's just not really what we're after. Yeah, that mental space, I'm really interested in that third element as well there, Dan, because as you say, the time... You know, we've all got issues with that, the finances, you know. But the space is really interesting. What you're calling psychological space there, possibly also considered as mental space for people mm. to be able to actually think about it as well. Yeah. Which comes back to the time idea, but actually having that, that mental space to be able to think, to be able to read, to be able to ask questions, and then, as you say, to be able to make mistakes. Because if the stakes are so high that you can't make mistakes, um, then, as you say, you know, people will dig their heels in and feel that this isn't going to work. Or they'll, or they'll go, as I say, because don't forget, these are the people who actually do want to do something. Yeah. They'll go, well, this, you know, you, 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 you're talking the talk, mate, but you're not walking the walk, you're not authentic, I'm off. Mm. Because that place down the road, I know they walk the walk because mm. I know people who work there or they've, hit me up on LinkedIn or whatever, yeah. you know. Um, and, and so this is, again, those, those are the high performers that you want who go elsewhere. Mm. And, you know, it's, 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 it's fascinating because everyone listening to this, this is, this is the bit that gets me. Everyone listening to this gets this. They understand it. They can name names on this. Mm. And, but it'll keep perpetuating. And so what we ask is just, well, okay, let's use these as a, a, a lens to look through your next change initiative, mm. whatever it is. And it could be as it could be a tiny little thing or it could be a massive restructure. These five elements, the fifth of one, we'll just get to shortly, but let's use this to kind of consider, all right, well, how are we tracking on this? Yeah, I know, okay, yeah, I've told them that. Yeah, but I realise I've not given any time to think or, or feedback. Mm. Uh, and as well as losing these high performers, Dan... Presumably someone has to replace the high performer mm. and they've come in out of the loop altogether. <laughs> and then, you know, yeah. then it's a real resourcing issue of yeah. trying to bring complete novices up to speed with something that the organisation might have been working on for weeks, months, yeah. years. Yeah. Um, you what know, a the, backward step. In, in a very real sense, there's the financial cost and there's a human cost to it. Mm. You know, there's all, the, all that moral and goodwill and all that human yeah. energy that goes into something falls out of it. And then, as you say, you bring in someone else at a financial cost, but then, yeah, bringing them up to speed. And yeah, because they don't have the cultural capital that has yeah. been built up, the organisational capital that's been built up through understanding. Yeah. Alrighty, so the fifth and final yep. pillar, Mr. Hasler. Um, well, it's a simple one. It's just having a plan. So it's kind of saying, all right, well, if, if we're going to embark on this, so let, again, let's, let's go through it. We work at this place, right? We've got a fantastic boss great leader they've done such a good job of communicating i can tell you the what the why the why now mm. i've got the skills to do it and and even my mate who doesn't he knows exactly how he's going to do it and he's he's feeling comfortable happy he's not going to be judged by that we we all want to do it and you know what else we got mate we've got the time the money and the space to do it how good's that like we're working in utopia here 
But hang on, when are we starting? Mm. Who's driving it? When are we checking in? What's mm. what's the what's the data that we're looking for? What are we looking to learn here? Are we starting next week? Mm. I thought we started last week. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's as simple as having a, a, a plan and. and in the earliest start, in the earliest iterations of a, of a change, I mean, look, there's no hard and fast rule, but I'm going to suggest that if you're not at least checking in every 30 days, you know, with a okay, and and checking in not did it work or not, really just checking in with a sense of well, what did we learn? What have we learned about this? And then wrapping it back against those pillars, the other four, saying okay, well, we've learned that not everyone can articulate this, or we've learned that there's a bit of a skills gap there, or we've learned that yeah. You know, Johnny down in down in that department, not quite keen. You know, not sure why, but okay. And then we keep che- checking in on these loops. And the more we get into a, a project or an, a change initiative, obviously we'll start looking for different things. And those milestones can be, you know, maybe further spread out. But without the plan, you get a like a series of false starts or, you know, that sense of we're kind of on a treadmill. Everyone's kind of working hard, but maybe we don't feel that we're getting anywhere or we're not sure in what direction we're, we're heading. And um, it's, you know, it's, a, it's an interesting phenomenon because you'll see it in lots of different incidental um, conversations, just little throwaway lines that people have just as they're leaving a meeting. They're going, oh, have you sent that through yet? You know, something really simple. Are we simple. still doing that? Are we still doing that? No. Yeah. Uh, when, when's that thing no, happening? that was last month's idea. Yeah. No, yeah. And, and, and it's not saying that, you know, obviously we not everyone's going to be across everything all the time. But if we have put significant time and effort and money, if we put significant resourcing into it, then we have to have a plan. We have to have a plan which is public, you know, for mm. everyone who's, who's mm. taking part. And we have to have it done within that, I guess, that space of, you know, I'm always going to urge people to adopt that space of, of learning, of, of, of a growth mindset. To say, okay, well, we are changing. So clearly we're doing something new. It's not about whether we do it well or right versus badly or wrong. It's about saying, especially in the early days, what do we learn from this mm. to then make the next iteration that little bit better? Yeah. Yeah, really interesting. It's um fascinating five-step process here. Really quite straightforward and commonsensical, mm. as you sort of implied at the beginning. But how many times have we seen this go wrong? Every time. Almost, <laughs> almost every time. And, yeah. you know, and I think often unless the change is completely throw out the baby and put in fresh bathwater or whatever that <laughs> metaphor that I'm trying to make is, mangled, <laughs> mangled beautifully – Normally, you've got a whole lot of other stuff going alongside this new change initiative. And so unless exactly, you're doing yeah. that checking in regularly, mm. then it can just drop off people's radar Easy. and we can continue. And that's yeah. that's certainly what I've been very familiar with in organisations yeah. throughout my career where it's just an add-on and unless you're keeping up to date with it. And I really like what you said there about having the plan really publicly as well, particularly with some sort of a timeline that's going with it, I suppose, yeah. so that people go, okay, yeah, yeah, we are still doing this thing mm. and this is the expectation of me and this is what others are doing. Yeah. This is when it's going to happen. That's what it's leading to. Yeah. And if you have a few false starts along the way, then they're totally fixable, I would imagine. Mm. If early, people catch early. them early. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, you might remember back in um, episode 38, we were talking with uh, Jonathan Raymond about the accountability dial, and we spoke about um, a lot of the issues that come up when people are just assuming things, and making mm. assumptions, or not, you know, waiting until it's too late 
to address an issue and again that idea of having the plan well let's make sure that we let's plan mm. <laughs> for that not to be the case mm. so let's plan to make sure we don't have any assumptions nobody's mm. walking out of a meeting filling their own narrative in like mm. we, we're having a yeah, you know yeah. we're having a, a, a robust adult conversation and and we often talk about this concept of you know what dissent is welcome until we make a decision on something and so mm. what that requires from a, a leader is a real sense of humility to yeah this is my idea this is a change this is important but we have to have that humility to recognize that we're working with could you know, potentially hundreds thousands mm. or even if it's just 10 five other people we have to have that humility about us to say there's no possible way that i can do this on my own mm. no way mm. i might think i can but i can't and so being able to come to it with that humility and that approach to saying, okay, well, we'll do it, as you said before, let's do this together. We're doing, we're doing this with you, mm. uh, not to you. So if we went through those pillars, you know, like without uh, vision, you've got confusion. Without skills, you've got anxiety. Without incentive, you've got resistance. Without uh, resourcing, frustration. And without a plan, you're kind of on this treadmill. That assumes only one of those things is missing. Mm. Yeah, but a lot of the time two, three, four, maybe even all five of them are missing. And so that's why, you know, we, we really encourage people just to take a moment, a few moments, and use this as a lens to say, okay, well, where are we at with things? And what we'll put in the show notes is um, a little reflection tool that perhaps you can uh, print off or share just some conversation hmm. starters with your teams before you embark on another change, before or even to analyze how you're going with a change that you're currently, you know, in the midst of, to say, okay, well, how sticky is this change going to be? How, is, is this going to be something that we're going to talk about in past tense and go, oh, yeah, we were going to do that, yeah. weren't we? Or we were doing a good job, but then, you know, Bill left, you know? Yeah, and, yeah. Um, or, or or are we going to talk about it and go, yeah, that was that's good, you know, yeah. and, it, and, and it's part of who we are now. That's mm. really what we're about. Yeah, fantastic. All right. Well, thank you so much, Dan, for that explanation. No worries, uh, very valuable for our listeners, I'm sure. And as you say in the show notes, this idea, a bit of a graphic with this, mm. to really apply, you know, sort of set any, any change initiative that you're planning mm. uh, or considering against this and say, okay, well, why are these filler, five pillars important? Mm. What's going to happen if we're missing any or, as you suggested, there more than one of them? Mm. Um, obviously, we don't want any of that. So let's let's consider all of these five pillars. Yeah, well, I hope you're right, mate. I hope people did find it useful. And um, if you did, if you're one of those people who are sitting there going, yeah, that was actually well worth my time, mm -hmm. then if you are, there's a fair chance that someone you know might feel the same. So uh, please feel free to share this podcast as far and as wide as you can in your networks. And also please give it um, a rating on iTunes or Spotify and comment on the podcast if you found it useful. And of course, please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast because doing those things just help um, others find our podcast just that a little bit more easily. If you've got any questions that you'd like us to address, if you'd like to find out a little bit more about the work we do here at Cut Through, then head over to habitsofleadership.com and click on the podcast page. But until our next episode, thanks very much, Tim. Thank you, Dan. And take care. Take it easy. Easy.